Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. And today we are going to talk to you about onboarding. And let's just make sure that we're all clear on that definition. That is when you bring somebody on and it's more than filling out the paperwork. Well, who are the people? Who are the people that we're bringing on? I mean... Well, any new staff. I want you to tell me your... uh, Give me your, uh, say, the story of when you learned how important it was to onboard somebody correctly. In other words, a personal story as a director of... (laughs) Oh, that was a lot of work and I lost them quickly. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm sure I've had like 10 of them. Well, but how I about can't... a staff that came in and left at noon? Yeah, I'm not one of the ones who've had that. Um, I had a staff member who I onboarded and I trained. I thought we had everything cool. Um, and then she called me while I was in labor and told me that she had um, mono. And so I needed a substitute for that day. (laughs) Um, And I had not trained her in how to line up a substitute. So while I was in active labor for my second child, I arranged for a substitute for the classroom that she was supposed to be, you know, taking over for me while I was on maternity leave. Um, So I definitely left that part of the onboarding out um and i didn't you know when you're in labor you don't have the best cognitive (laughs) abilities so i couldn't think to call someone else (laughs) who could then schedule the substitutes and what i did was i called my mother and my mother-in-law neither of whom had any early childhood experience and i told them to go work in the infant room because i knew they could handle babies because i had survived And so had my husband. So I figured they could handle the baby room. Um, So that was a failure on my part on a couple of levels. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about those, the stories that we get from directors all the time. Yeah. We get those all the time. We get stories all the time. and, And I'm thinking, you know, almost once a quarter, it may not be that frequent. It may depend, but um, most of us, if we ourselves did not do this, we know or have heard of the program where you are so desperate for getting a body in a classroom that you hire them. And then you, you throw them, them in the class, you do the orientation after hours one night and then throw them in the classroom the next day. And they haven't even done more than observe the classroom for 30 minutes. So, and so for those of you who don't know, so Carrie and I um, have been in business together for a long time. Uh, More than 20 years. More than 20 years. In 20 years, it'll be, in January, it'll be 20 years with our director program. But over 20 years ago, Carrie and I started a substitute service called SOS. And... Um, there was definitely a character flaw on our part because I'm a, not really a morning person and I don't take lying people very well. So if you're drunk on a Thursday and at 3 a.m. you call me to get you a substitute, um, I don't necessarily respond very well, (laughs) but that's beside the point. And we did such a great job training our staff that a lot of our substitutes were getting hired. And we had not put in um, contract provisions for that. So anyway, we didn't last in that industry very long. But what we did discover without a doubt is that 
a lot of the people who were calling us because they needed an, a, an oh shit, you know, substitute was that program who did just what we've just mentioned, right? They brought somebody on, they filled out the paperwork, they did that, they threw them in a classroom and their onboarding was probably less than two hours. So if you are a director, I don't care how long you've been a director. And sometimes those of us who've been a longtime director um, probably have a tendency to miss things more often because we're like, oh yeah, we know what we've got to do. And if you're an awesome program and you don't have a whole lot of turnover, again, you're thinking, I've got this, right? You know, I, I don't have turnover. Well, if you're, if this is not something you're doing regularly, make yourself a checklist. Um, yes. If you haven't taken our director credentialing course, you may be unaware of our philosophy on a non 90 day onboarding process, how we really feel like you need to have a full eight hour day before anybody's even in the classroom. And that's just to learn the little things like where to put your purse, when to have well, lunch, you, where to eat lunch. You're probably in the classroom during that eight hour day. You're just not the boss of anything. You're in there to watch and see what happens for part Absolutely. of the day. So they Absolutely. maybe observe a lunchtime or whatever is the most chaotic time in the classroom that they're going to be working in. I want them to observe that chaos before I put them in charge of that chaos. Well, and it's really important to make sure that they get an opportunity to see all aspects, regardless of what shift they've applied for, regardless of what shift you're planning to schedule them for, because we all know things change. Yep. And we all know that you're going to need them at other places. And the best time to get them oriented is when you're doing the onboarding. And yes, I realize that there is a good chance you are in a, I need a warm body in that classroom yesterday. And as a director, hopefully you've never gotten yourself to that point because I would like to strongly encourage that you always have a couple of your own substitutes that you've trained and you've onboarded. Yeah, Carrie, tell me a little bit about why you would think that that should be something that every director ought to do automatically. Well, because otherwise you're pregnant and you go into labor <laughs> and you don't have the mental faculties to remember that you have other substitute options other than your mom. Uh, so that's an extreme example. But also um, you can also use it when... You want to go on a field trip and you just want an extra pair of hands. Um, you have somebody come down with mononucleosis and that means they cannot be around children for the incubation period for mono, which I don't remember how long it is, but it's not the six weeks she said she needed to be out. Um, but things just come up. Um, somebody has to move back to uh, New Mexico because their parent has a health crisis. So most of the time you have a couple of substitutes around and they're maybe getting a half a day a month, you know, because you've got a nice stable staff. But you're going to have a stomach flu go through your program at least once every year. Um, and so you're going to need substitutes. And the first substitute, well, not the first substitute, the most important substitute I ever hired, I then sold my business to 10 years later. So she was the other grand, so I had an assistant director and that assistant director had a grandchild who had another grandma. Okay. So they were co-grandmas and 
she didn't work. And my assistant director said, well, when we need a substitute, why don't we have her come in? I think it'd be real easy to train her. Um, so I did. And the substitute became the assistant in the infant room, became the lead in the infant room, became the master teacher in the infant toddler program, and eventually bought the program and is now the director. But she was just a co-grandma with my assistant director. So, so, so I think there's a good, I think there's a couple of things right there. So one thing I want to point out, which I think a lot of directors find themselves um, struggling with is where do I find a substitute? I can't even find my staff, right? So um, a, a great place to start is asking the people who work for you, do they know anybody who might like to be on call for one day a month? And use the example specifically of, you know, grandmas, cousins, aunts. Um, High school Carrie, students, Carrie, college students. Carrie's definitely had a few relatives work for her over the years. Don't be afraid of asking for dads. Um, because you'd be surprised dads can be great with infants or toddlers, or maybe they're more of a preschool or after school. But again, asking for the dads and the grandpas, because you just never know how much help you might need. Because I don't know, we still do have COVID and we really don't know um, really what's going to happen over the course of the next year or two. Um, we've had other even just the flu, right? So yep. you have other things that come through and you just never know. It's better to be prepared. So where I was trying to get Carrie to go with this is that whole be prepared because, you know, oh, we okay. were both long-time Girl Scouts. <laughs> and I thought you were talking about exit <laughs> strategy for your business. <laughs> you know, that works too, but I was all about the whole Girl Scout be prepared Um <laughs> And so we want you as a director to make sure that you are prepared for anything that comes your way, right? So um, if you've listened to any of our conversations over the last year plus, so, you know, got like 70 episodes in the can. And so there are definitely opportunities to listen to us talk about why you should have a reserve fund, right? Why you need to have money in the in the in your bank. Um, think of other ways and other places to get creative with resources and materials and oh, I don't know, toilet paper. Um, <laughs> so you know why certain things should be bought in bulk and kept. But there are definitely other reasons to be prepared and other things that you need to be prepared with. And, and staff is a good one. And part of that is we want our staff to be prepared to be able to do this job well. And the only way they're going to be prepared is if we give them a good onboarding uh, experience. Okay. So, so a Karen, lot of people give... just want to do the eight hour pre-service that's mandated by the state or the 24 hour pre-service mandated by the state, depending on the person you're hiring. And that's it. And they're like, they're good to go. That's it. Okay, did you explain your educational philosophy? Did you tell them where the plunger is and that they will be expected to use the plunger when a newly potty trained child does not understand how much toilet paper they need? Okay, so I want you to think, I'm going to give you a couple of seconds. So get a piece of paper and a pencil. Me or them? And 
this works for Carrie, but this also works for all of you listening. I want you to write down what you personally think are the five absolute must-dos during an onboarding process. In other words, what are the things that you think people have a tendency to forget? So those of you listening, get your pen and paper, write down your five things that you remember because, well, say you forgot them once. Right. So uh, <laughs> um, a lot of times some of us, well, maybe not. Okay. I have one of those lists when I travel, like there's things that I have a tendency to forget. So as a result, there's some of the things I pack first, right? I always pack, pack socks, underwear, and pajamas. Why? Because I have traveled too much where I have forgotten those three items because I was washing them and they were going to go in and then they never made it in. Or because so, your children were packing for you to go on a surprise trip and they didn't think you needed underwear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't want to go in that drawer. Okay. So, okay. So, Carrie, have you written down your five things? Yeah, and you're not going to like them. Okay. That's fine. So, okay. So, Carrie's going to give us her five what you must do in an onboarding process. And go. Who, what, why, when, and how? Yeah, okay, so can we elaborate on those? Um, So the who is introducing them to all of the staff and giving them some piece of information about that person so that they have something to associate with that person. This is Beverly, and she makes the best cakes. And this is Kate, and she's really good at telling you the honest, unvarnished truth. And (laughs) this is Tommy, and he plays drums in a rock band. Um, You know, those kinds of things. So the who, who are the people in the building? What are you expected to do? Like, what you know the whole scope of the job like I said this is where the plunger is and this is how you use it the fact that you're going to at some point be vomited on like that is part of what is going to happen um so please keep a spare change of clothes just like we ask the kids to keep a spare change of clothes because I don't want you to be covered in vomit all day you know it's just not not good but that you also get to help kids learn how to crawl or learn how to write their name. So you te- tell them some of the, the downsides, like the vomit um, and the toilet, but also all of the wonderful things about, you know, helping a child overcome their fear of the slide or um, watching kids develop friendships. So that's the what, the why. Why are we here? Why is this program different than other programs? What is your educational philosophy? Um, do you think of your employees as teammates or as employees or another term? Um, you know, are we a pack? Are we the squad? Um, you know, do you have a mascot? All of that is part of your why. How? The basic procedures that go on through the day. How do we bring children into the building in the morning? How do we take kids out to the playground? How do we go on a field trip? Um, how do we treat them when they're sick? You know, the, the basic how-tos of the job. And when, when do I expect you in the building? When do you bring concerns to your supervisor? When do you bring concerns to the director or owner? Awesome. So everybody's definitely going to have their different five. So mine are also going to be kind of pseudo related, but I'm going to have one that Carrie didn't have, which is going to be related to first impressions. 
So I often will talk to them about um, not just when they're expected to be in the building or clock in or what their hours are supposed to be, but what they're supposed to wear. So in other words, am I providing them with a shirt? What do their shoes look like? Where is their phone supposed to be? Uh, you know, do I have requirements related to grooming? Like, I need you to take a shower. I need you to wear deodorant. Um, and depending on the age of the staff, um, I will cover that in detail. Um, when I had a lot of college staff, that was um, surprisingly something we had to talk about, um, especially shirts, you know, make sure they covered. Um, so if you squat down, you know, I don't need to be able to see your cute little thong and perhaps tattoo. Um, definitely not um, workplace appropriate in that industry. It is, yeah, they, it is <laughs> underwear. It is supposed to be under what you wear. <laughs> Yes, I, I don't need to see what color, kind, etc. Um, also, I'm going to stress to them, and again, part of these are because these are places where I've had issues. Um, what are their relationships with their parents and staff, specifically related to things like social media, babysitting, watching kids outside of hours, um, some of those, and training. So when you come to work, um, you will be given a training schedule. So there is the first 90 day training schedule. Um, even if you've been in the field before, um, there is the mandatory requirements, but then there are things that I'm going to want to make sure that you have learned over your first 90 days so that you can be the best you can be in that position. And I'm going to have um, regular meetings with you and if there's any supervisor. So if you are a second in a classroom or there happens to be um, a master teacher, depending on the size of the program, um, those are going to be some pieces that I'm going to add. And part of that's because those are just things that I've learned over the years that I have a tendency to... Um, find really, really important. And again, it doesn't make mine any different than Carrie's. It just, these are things I have a tendency to have forgotten in the past because I just assumed people knew it was going to happen uh, because that is the background I had. So when I would start providing training and expect people to show up, they didn't necessarily understand. <laughs> so, and um, so I have a tendency to want to have a three ring binder for each thing like this. So I think having an orientation three ring binder, um, and this is the stuff we're going to cover on orientation day. And this is the stuff we're going to cover on the first 30 days. And then the next 60 days. And I carry it all the way out to six months. Um, but after the first 90 days, I'm not checking on them every week. <laughs> I I'm stretching Absolutely. that out. Yeah, so again, so if you have not taken our director credentialing course and you have not been given the assignment to create your own onboarding packet, um, this might be something, um, a great Monday morning action plan or in our case, a Wednesday action plan. Um, give yourself time over the course of the next two weeks to actually write up what is your onboarding plan and be as detailed as you can't because again, what if somebody else has to do the onboarding for you? And if you just write introduction to staff, that may get translated to, hi everybody, this is Susie. Yep. And Susie, I, this is everybody. <laughs> um, I mean, I think part of it is also that whole, you're trying to make sure that they're successful because the reason people live, leave mid shift or midweek is because they're feeling overwhelmed because they don't know what they're supposed to be doing anymore. 
Well, and they don't know who to ask for help, especially, again, if part of the reason they were not given an appropriate amount of time into onboarding is because you were short-staffed and panicked. Um, this is, again, why it's always good to have your substitutes because then they're ready to cover for you. But, <laughs> um, you know, make sure that you've really taken the time to introduce them to the staff, help them understand who to ask for help from. Um, you know, we hear the, again, we hear horror stories all the time from staff about how they've been in a classroom all day because nobody told them to, um, told them how to go to the bathroom. Uh, nobody came and relieved them for lunch or break. I mean, I've heard all kinds of horror stories that just make me shake my head, but I can't always blame the staff because again, I wasn't there. I wasn't there for the onboarding. So um, make your onboarding as detailed as possible. Make sure people know where to put their purse, know where that they know where to park. Um, if Jim has a favorite place to park, make sure you let people know that Jim's always parks, uh, never parks under the tree. So don't ever park in that spot that's next to the spot under the tree. Uh, you know, whatever it might be. Cause you know, you don't want to make enemies your first week. Um, we realize that processes and policies will change. We had a lot of that over the course of the last year. Um, so make sure that you update your uh, onboarding process and that you now make sure that you spend some more time talking about the importance of PPE. Make sure that you talk about um, how you actually, children come into your building. Um, reportable diseases. Things. Reportable diseases. Yep. Reportable diseases. So, um, you know, it, we're not going to sit here, obviously, and go over exactly what you need to do for the first eight hours, the first week, the first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months. Because uh, that we, depends on your program and your culture at your center. I have, I mean, what a Montessori teacher needs to know is very different from what a Waldorf teacher needs to know, which is very different from a pre-academic program. I mean, but it's also very different based on each employee and your program's background. I mean, there are some companies. OK. And so, you know, you may not know me very well, but I do have this thing for this mouse that lives in Florida. Um, and, and that company does have a mandatory two week before you interact with anybody just understanding the history and culture of the organization. I don't think most child care centers have that kind of requirement, but that's how important it is to them for their staff to understand. And you want to make sure that you give your, you empower your staff, that they understand their role in the customer service community, right? So how, how do they get to interact with parents? What do they have to, what can they say? What can they do? How can they make a parent happy if the parent has an issue? Um, all of these are part of your onboarding process that's going to be unique to your program. Uh, we have, we've had directors who say it's easier to onboard somebody who's never worked in the industry versus somebody who's come from, um, who's worked in the industry a long time. There is something Def to be said for that. Definitely, you know, a thought process, but, um, well, you know. And onboarding people from other states, because if you hire somebody who's worked in California all their life, they're like, where is my scheduled 15 minute break? I've been in this classroom for more than three hours. Yep. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, honey, this is not California because nobody is California except for California. <laughs> so... You know, even just being aware of those things, like where did they work before 
I'm not just talking about other centers. I'm talking about other states. <laughs> so there can Absolutely. be some really difference there. All right. Well, hopefully we have answered uh, your questions today. If you have any additional questions, please reach out to us at hello at colorfulclipboard.com. Uh, if you want to make sure that you or your uh, assistant director get some additional training in this content, uh, reach out to Carrie at Carrie at TexasDirector.org. Uh, she would be happy to come in and do some staff development for you. Make sure your staff will get some hours on actually understanding what the onboarding process is. Or it actually service. will be um, the training topic in May, one of the training topics in May in my director training membership. There you go. So if you aren't part of that, make sure you uh, reach out to Carrie, find out more details, go to texasdirector.org. We are here for you. We look forward to talking to y'all next week. Okie dokie. Bye. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.